To the Four Podmen, the wrestling podcast that we bring you each and every week on the Dynamo Podcast Network. Head over to YouTube, smash that subscribe, super kick that bell notification. Also, we're available on Spotify, Anchor, Podbean, wherever you pick up your podcasts. You will find us there, the Four Podmen. And this week we have a very special episode. We're going to be looking at the life of Jim Crockett Jr., who recently passed away. We're going to be taking a look at Auntie Tess Martin's career as well. It was a celeb- His anniversary was coming up. And we're also going to be having a quick review of the latest AEW pay-per-view revolution. But joining me tonight, as always, you got Joe DeBeef Doiglin. Joe, how we doing? Sorry, I had myself on mute. <laughs> no problem at all. Uh, yeah, I'm all good, pal. Uh, always good to talk, chat to you, boys. Good, good, good. Of the week. I'm also joined by the Marlon Brando of Irish podcasting, the podmaster himself, the podfather in the Dynamo Kelly. How we doing, my man? I like that one. I like that one. That's a new one. That's so it, I'll, take, I'll take that one every day. I like that. I love Marlon Brando. <laughs> we'll be shortly. We'll be shortly joined by the D-O-double-G, the Raw Dog himself, Jason Kennedy. We're going to push on anyway. So the first topic I thought we'd look at tonight is obviously Jim Crockett Jr. passed away. Um, as I said in a couple of posts, you might have seen, I tweeted them and stuff like that during the week. Um, this man was integral in my love for wrestling as a child um, back in the 80s. He was basically the NWA's version of Vince McMahon, um, but with a bit more sympathy and remorse, I would say. Um, yeah. He's, he's responsible, obviously, for Jim Crockett promotions, um, heavily involved in the NWA territory situation. It was a family-owned wrestling promotion that started in 1931 and was passed over to Jim. Based in Charlotte, was passed over to Jim Jr. in 73, and he ran it all the way up to 88, when we know exactly what happened then. It was passed over to Ted Turner, who bought it out, and it became WCW and the rest is history. But I said I'd, I said I'd bring him up on the podcast this week because I think we'd be remiss if we didn't, uh, you know, recognize his passing. I think it's really important um, because he was responsible for the expansion and he was responsible for the NWA territories and the NWA council, of which on three occasions he was a president of that council. Um, and he firmly believed in the territory system and was enshrined in it until certain moves were made by WWF, WWE up in New York to, to expand out nationwide. And then he felt he had to consolidate some of the territories um, because basically the NWA was being overrun by WWF. Um, he, tried to, um, he tried to pick up, like he, he was spreading out on a national expansion between um, 78 and 83, was regional through Tennessee, Western Virginia, Cincinnati, Dayton, Ohio. 
Then he went on a national expansion in 83 to 85, um, culminating with, you know, such guys like Dusty Rhodes and all coming on as a booker and, and part of the council as well, forming some of the well-known pay-per-views that we know today, like Starcade, Great American Bash, Clash of Champions, War Games, all this kind of thing. Um, made moves then to buy, also take over the UWF um, to try and create competition against Vince. Um, and ended up, Vince ended up running against them, against Starcade by running against them with um, Survivor Series. And um, he tried to get Starcade moved. And Vince contacted the cable networks and said that if they moved Starcade, uh, he would pull his programming from their, their cable networks, basically. So Starcade went ahead at the same time as Survivor Series. The rest is going to history. And then Jim Crocker Promotions came under a lot of financial pressure um, and ended up ultimately consolidating and selling on to Ted Turner and became WCW. Um, the legacy that the man leaves behind is no doubt. Um, most of the wrestlers you see out there that are legends, the likes of Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Magnum TA, Lex Luger, Road Warriors, Four Horsemen, Barry Windham, The Garvins, Sting, Nikita Koloff, Jim Cornette, all Very these nice. guys, Rick Rude, Rock and Roll Express, JJ Dillon, Dr. Death, Steiners, and Harley Race, all really cut their teeth, cut their teeth through the NWA system and really got exposed from a TV point of view, as household names, true Jim Crocker promotions and worldwide wrestling. Um, so that is the legacy that he leaves. Of course, not forgetting, as we said already, Starcade, Clash of Champions, Bunkhouse Stampede, War Games, to mention just a few. Um, but the man is definitely a legend in the business, and he was definitely the NWA's version of Vince McMahon. And we remember him and we toast him. So rest in peace, Jim Crocker Jr. Can I, uh, can I just add a, a few words there to that? Absolutely. Well? Just briefly. Um, ju just just in terms of uh, Noel, you know I'm the same as you uh, when it comes to the old school um, NWA and the territory days. I watched, uh, I, I, I recently watched a, 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 a Donnybrook with uh, Pat O'Connor and Lou Tez in black and white that most people would probably find boring, but that's probably most people in modern days that would find boring. I think when you go back and watch things like that and how it was promoted, when you look out in the front rows, there was no difference in a match like that than there was with Muhammad Ali versus whoever else. It, it was just, this was down to their absolutely amazing promoting skills that the Crockett family had. Um, I dare say that without the Crockett's, there would be no Vince McMahon anyway, because he learned from, from those guys too. I mean, they all learned from each other. Um, so yeah, I think that's a phenomenal little rundown and a tribute. I can't put any words that would better kind of, uh, I suppose, explain how, how big an influence he was in, in the world of professional wrestling. So rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. I think if, I think really if any of our viewers or listeners wanted to back and have a look, a lot of those old episodes are available on YouTube and it's real studio style. So if you're a fan of NWA power, um, you will definitely be a fan of the old Jim Crocker promotion stuff. It's a very similar definitely. style, the way, it, the way it's recorded, the way it's presented. Absolutely brilliant show. And the, the way I describe it, I was on a podcast earlier today. The way I described Jim Crocker promotions was back as a child in the 80s. Like WWE was the show that I watched because I wanted the glitz and the glamour and the characters and all that kind of stuff. But Jim Crocker promotions is where I really went for my wrestling. It was basically my NXT. Yes. It was yeah. like my NXT. So that's the way that's, I describe it. 
and that's that's, that's the biggest compliment I, I can give to the man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I suppose um, we welcome in the the D O double G fresh from work. How are we, my man? How's it going? I'm good. Forgive my tardiness tonight, man. It was a, it was a trek and a journey home, but not a bother at all. You're here. Um, that's all that matters. Absolutely. Yeah. So just you came in on that, Jay. I don't know if you any memories back of Jim Crocker Promotions. I know you're a fan of NWA Power, so. Yeah, you know, it's only when you go back and you look at YouTube stuff, you realise that NWA Power is a complete tribute to everything he did. I think that's why I love it so much. I never really got a lot of it the first time round, but studio-based wrestling is a very wrestling-based product. It's, 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 it's almost, like you said earlier on, Vince was at his best when he had a foil worth fighting and worth battling with, and there were Coke and Pepsi at one stage for a long time, and it was it was, it was the alternative to the stuff you didn't like. And that's genius, by the way. I don't even realize what you realize what you said there. Studio wrestling was wrestling based wrestling. It's it's actually the truth. Yeah, it's so true because like, you know, if you can actually get over in a studio full of a hundred people and actually put on a great story, I mean that that is the measure of how good your work is. I sorry, I didn't mean to cut across you, James. You didn't, you know, you're absolutely correct. It's it's the reason why I've pressed pressed the reset. Uh, the, the way the contemporary wrestling has gone and how they keep raising the bar on each other to the point where they're not wrestling for us anymore. They're wrestling against each other as companies. And I, yeah. sometimes you just need a timeout and you're like, I just want to watch product. I want to watch product with people who wrestle and enjoy doing what they do in the ring as opposed to looking towards the outside of the ring and what's their next step on the fame run, you know, or ladder. And 100%. That's studio wrestling. And look, we've seen it again. There's obviously still something to the product and its value as a, as a commodity because as soon as uh, Billy Corgan shut down his, his, his infant operation, his whole roster was looted. They just all put a part in and took a piece of it. Yeah. And he'll continue. He'll continue to pull people off the indies who aren't shocking and just want to be wrestlers. And again, even the likes of Trevor Murdoch and looking at him down there and having a second rejuvenated run and you, you just see that old style it's good it's wholesome you know what I mean it's yes. it's not bra and panties matches and it, it, I love it and again we know who to blame it's, for it you just pay tribute to him yeah yeah it's wrestling you can watch with your kid you know yeah it's kind of like it's um, it's like even when you look yeah. at the even when you look at the crowd that does be a power that, that kind of nearly like an 80s crowd you know that kind of way it's a real throwback where it's like you know, they're just people there who, you know, just love a bit of wrestling and it's their night out, you know, that kind yeah. of way. And it was a regular weekly thing. Back Still back real back. to them, though. Absolutely. You know, for most people connected with the business, it's still very real, you know, in some aspects. Um, yeah. So, yeah, rest in peace, Jim Crockett Jr. Um, so I thought we'd move on yeah. then. Um, this week is the anniversary of the passing of Andrew Tesmer. And again, I thought we should recognise his passing again being one of the we spoke a lot of times about the big men in wrestling, and I thought this lad is one of the big men in wrestling, and boy, could he wrestle and he could work as well, you know. Um, so I thought we'd just have a quick rundown of his career just to, to pay tribute to him, you know. Um, so born 17th of March 1975, Paddy's Day, so you know he's a winner with us. Um, <laughs> passed away March 13, 2009, age 33. Trained by Dory Funk and Bret Hart. Couldn't ask for a better combination of trainers. Um, and was active in wrestling from 97 all the way to 2009. 
his achievements, he was ranked in Pro Wrestling Illustrated 37 of the PWI 500 um, back in 2001 as a singles competitor. Most of us would remember him for a lot of his tag team work and stuff like that, but um, his um, accomplishments, DNA, yeah. uh, his accomplishments in, in, in WWE, he was two-time hardcore champion, one-time European champion, uh, one-time intercontinental champion, and then he was WCW and WWF tag team champion once with each with Booker T. Um, some of the highlights of his career that I would run down through, he was obviously involved in the Young Americans, which I thought was kind of brilliant at the time. Um, he was always a solid worker for a big man. Um, I always liked this combination tag, uh, tag team with Testa and Albert. Um, he made his debut on Raw is War in a sketch with Monty Crew that most people may or may not remember. Um, he gave credence to the big boot finisher. If you ever seen his finisher, when he hit you with that big boot, you were being put away and it was the one, two, three. Um, he was involved in uh, many factions. He was in the corporation, the Un-Americans and the Alliance. Um, and a kind of a personal one for me, he was due to appear in the shop because he was, he was due to come over and go on an AWR tour with Joe from OTT. Mm-hmm. And um, he passed away prior to that tour, mm-hmm. but he was also uh, due to appear in the shop and do an appearance at the same time. And I'm not sure he was either replaced, I think, by Chris Masters or Gangrel. I'm not sure. Um, but we'll pay tribute to Tess, and we're remembering Tess this week. He passed away. One of the big men who could walk in the ring and um, rest in peace, Andrew Tessmark. Yeah, just uh, it's funny you say that, Noel, because when you mentioned that you were going to be doing that today, I was talking to uh, Michelle Billington, who used to put a lot of uh, a lot of those guys up in Calgary, because yeah. um, they had tenements. That was um, that was Dynamite's old tenements. So it's Dynamite's ex-wife, and she was talking about uh, about Andrew Tess Martin in particular, about how how good a guy he was and how much of a student of the game he was for a big man. You know what I mean? He wasn't just some you know, Razor Ramon coming in just to try and get all the money and try and ruin anything. He was actually coming in as a student of the game and really wanted to uh, respect everybody that came before him and after and, and try and lead a, lead a, I suppose, a righteous path in the sense of his his character, his in-ring work. And I think that pretty much shows with his character. And, you know, he, he was also involved in some of the big storylines, obviously, with the whole... Uh, Stephanie Triple H thing as well so it was a, a huge huge character and uh, yeah absolutely I think it's very very uh, apparent that we should uh, honour um, Test on his on his anniversary absolutely anything to add Joe? Um, just uh, he was one of those guys that I always thought was a big missed opportunity for WWE like when they put him in that thing with Steph and Triple H like you know, they, how they didn't strap a rocket to him after that is beyond me. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing. I'm guessing Triple H politicked him out of it. Yeah, that, probably, that's the only answer. That especially back then, right? Yeah. Another, <laughs> another, another big blonde-headed fella. This, you know, could have could have been a lot. You know, could have been a, a bigger name than him. Uh, it's the only explanation I can think of because he he had everything. He had the look. He could, he, you know, he could wrestle. Uh, okay, granted, he mightn't have had the mic skills, maybe. But um, I don't remember him too much on the mic, to be, to be fair. Like, um, so, you know, but he, he was, I, I always thought he was a missed opportunity. Could have been a hell of a lot bigger than he was. Um, 
But uh, RIP, I always enjoyed seeing him anyway when he was there. Jay, any thoughts on Test? Yeah, he was just, again, you, it's only on hindsight you realise that he was in the mix with one. an awful lot of men on, on the ascension, on the rise, and he was competent in every facet except for maybe the talking, and that obviously would have come with time. I mean, he wasn't in the mix that high up if he if somebody didn't see anything in him. And it's just often an often overlooked tragedy simply because of the politics behind, you know, the backstage area. But he he definitely, definitely, definitely was a if if H was getting in the way of him, he clearly seen a threat. Do you know what I mean? He was a big man who was a competent wrestler. He was intelligent. He was no fool. He wasn't just like Ian said. He wasn't just some lump of fucking beef in for the cash. He was he was in for the career. And unfortunately, that didn't bode well in that company at that time with how many people they were pushing. It was it was it was a serious time for kind of intertalent competition for that ascension. But you know, perseverance with big men like that always pays off. Sooner or later, the doyle gets spun on you, and it's what you do with it and run the ball. But unfortunately, he never got the chance. Thirty three is a hell of an age, hell of an age to to like. I mean, it's a lot younger than the standard we're used to. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, I remember um, reading an interview um, before he passed, and he had he had stated in the interview that uh, one of the highlights of his career was actually getting to go and train with Hart. So um, that that's a measure to the man there, you know. But um, okay. So I suppose enough of the the habitaries, if you want, and it's time to get on to the the meat and veg and the gravy of this episode, which is a look back at AEW Revolution, and I know that I have three men along with myself here chomping at the bit all week to get hold of this on video. Um, I, I honestly, I'm going to pass it over to you now in a minute, but I honestly don't know where to begin on this one. Um, you, you know the way people make smart comments about putting the business back 10 years or 20 years or whatever it is. Um, in some aspects on this pay-per-view, they're certainly trying their best. Um, and I'll start with you. Come in and talk to me about this pay-per-view. I know you have very strong views on it. Well, I'll tell you where <laughs> I'll start, Roy, because I, I watched it not only, what, three hours ago. I was talking to you boys, actually, as I was watching it. And um, in particular, Jay, we were kind of having a bit of a rundown on it. I'll tell you where I'll start. Without starting, about, without starting in any particular match, I'm going to start with, the promoter of the year, all right, um, comes out on some sort of press conference or whatever, or whatever show he was on, and literally shows that he is a fan. And and, and Jay gave me a little gem um, today as well, which he, I, I will I will pass over to him when I'm finished here. Uh, but like he comes out once again, talking like a fucking fan by saying, "Oh well, you know." Yeah, John Moxley, I think it was, I, I can't, you know, because to be honest with you, I don't want to give him my senses, so I can't exactly remember verbatim what he said, but it was along the lines of, well, you know, this was John's brain idea and blah, 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 and we're, we're just lucky no one got hurt, but we got away with it, you know, because it was all John's idea and we're, you know, we're, we're basically, it was all gimmicked and so he's literally just giving his own fucking story away. He's literally like opening the curtain on his own show. It's like he's, He's the Wizard of Oz without a fucking clue, basically. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's the best tribute, if you want to call it that, that I can pay this man. Like, his dad needs to have a serious word with him and, and, and pull back the allowance, to be honest with you, and get someone in that can um, that can actually run the show, considering the, the talent that they do have backstage that can actually book shows. Um, 
that's where I would start with the show when you have an absolute moron coming out with, with stupid comments like that because it's the second time he's done it. The first time he did it was with the whole chair being gimmicked and he comes out and uses the word, well, you know, the, the chair was heavily gimmicked because the books told me so. Um, and then I suppose if you want to start with the opening match and you look at the action, the, those two fucking buffoons as well with their little, you know, double dual sharpshooters and stuff. And like, you know, Jay made a very good point to me today. If, if that's the highlight of the, of the pay-per-view, the opening match with Jericho and, and MJF, no disrespect to the two of them because they can work. If that's the if that's the fucking highlight of the show, man, uh, I'm lost for words. But Jay, why don't you chime in next after me with that and, and say exactly what you said? It was basically fans shouldn't be. What was it? Fan, you 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 know better. Yeah, uh, fans shouldn't be in the ring. Workers shouldn't be on the booking committee. You know, and um, bookers shouldn't be workers. It just it was a fiasco of. Yeah. Literally a fiasco. Of, where do you again? Where do you start? Like the, 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 it was. It was entertaining for all the wrong reasons. I mean, like 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 we were saying, Ian, it. They had nearly four hours of a pay per view. They were asking for fifty quid, and they opened up with a match which was. At best, a week a, 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 a tell. Televisual main event. It should have been for the weekly episodical, not yeah. not a pay per view. Yeah, even yeah. even at that, the the, the it, <sighs> I just want my time back. <laughs> yeah, to, it's, hard, it's hard. It's hard. I looked at that match and I was trying to figure out, you know, when the boys, you know, we won't talk about gimmicks, but when they cut the match together, how did they arrive at the point where they could make a guy like Jericho, who we revere on this show, look the weakest thing in that match? I mean, it's absolutely shocking. And it's like, you know, I listen to reviews online about this and they're talking about how great all this is and everything else. And I'm there looking down. Okay, that's grand. Just give me NWA power again. Thanks very much. You know what I mean? Like, just, you know what I mean? Like, how are people not ringing in demanding their 50 quid back? You know, from top to bottom in this, in this card, I looked at it and was going, can I just have a match that is either two or four people wrestling and no interference. I don't want anything. I want a bit of a backstory. I want either two or four people wrestling. Yeah. And I don't want everyone hitting the ring. I don't want a melee. I don't want explosions. I don't want a ref in a hazmat suit. What is going on there? What is going on there? Seriously, the only reason I thought that a ref was in the hazmat suit was I thought he was someone who was going to lay a storyline and pull off the mask like Shane McMahon or Vince or something going, it was me, Austin. That's the only reason I thought he was there. What the hell was that ref doing looking like he just stepped out of a meth lab? It's absolutely shocking. Um, and, and you know something? It's an insult to the business, and it's an insult to those people out back, those legends like Aaron Anderson and Tully Blanchard and people like that, Jake the Snake Roberts and lads like that who are involved in this promotion. It's an insult to those men. And those men won't speak up, obviously, because they're on the payroll. They obviously need the money and they need the income and stuff like that. But, like, they must be sitting backstage going, Oh my God. I mean, do we actually really believe that all this has to be laid at Tony Khan's feet? Is he actually the booker? Or is this the elite again, you know, just trying to sell t-shirts, putting rubbish together? You know what I mean? Like, like I don't know how. If, if they've pushed MJF so much and they want him to be a star, what's he doing on the opening match? 
what's Jericho doing on the opening match? You know what I mean? I don't get it. I just don't get their, their whole thinking behind. Noel, let me let me ask let me ask you the Noel, let me ask you the question, and I'll actually put this to Joe as well. I'd love to know Joe's opinion on this. Um like look, we talked about on our uh, Dynamo's Dozen episode, for example, right? We talked about when we look at someone like Finn Balor or looking at whoever on NXT, they're always holding the shoulder. If the arm has been the, the, the target during a match that they're selling at the end, and you can tell that this is Triple H's vision, you know what I mean? It's old school vision. Make sure that the people believe it, blah, blah, blah. All that kind of great stuff, right? You see those two fucking... I, I want to I wanna say things that won't get us shut down. Those two morons, the young books, Balding Book and Little Fucking Chewing Gum Book, you know, they got in shape before this thing. Now they just look like two little lads of nothingness. The young books, they just look like the, the two fucking bland books is actually the name that they should be called, the bland books. Like there's literally nothing to them other than the ring gear. They sell nothing. It's all about, oh, we do this thing in tandem. This, I have to say as well, I have to, like this fucking absolute imbecile of a commentator. Oh, super, 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 Timo, Suicido, blah, 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 tandem. Like, can we not just get this lad fucking cancelled off television or audio <laughs> forever? Seriously, can we cancel him? I'm wearing this, right? I feel like actually becoming Frank Castle and actually going after him personally and just getting rid of him from this earth and doing the world a favour. Well, fucking moron, moron. Ian, that's the announcer of the year you're talking about there, pal. Be careful. <laughs> I know. Careful, careful, Joe. Don't get him fired up. Do you know? Do you know the worst thing about yeah. that? About the announcer, He's right, though. Right? He is right. Yeah, but the, the worst thing about that is what he is saying and doing on commentary, whether we like it or not, fits the narrative of what's going on on the show. It does. This it is does. the problem. It does. And this, it this does. is from it. Like, like a lot of those guys there, like if you look at the talent that was on that show there the other night, if you take away all the bells and whistles and, you know, these matches and interference and running, like Neil Gallows and Carl Anderson, two fantastic wrestlers, walking down to hand off and exploding back. Unbelievable. Why don't they just say no? You know what I mean? It's crazy, like, you know what I mean? And then the problem is as well, like you're, you're looking Dude, at it. How, how can... How can Hangman Page and Matt Hardy not have a great match? Two phenomenal workers, right? Hangman Page, who you know, you boys know, I think the world of, I think he's fucking, I think he's he's a diamond in the rough without a shadow of a doubt. And, and his talent will, I mean, he's only 26. He will eventually get where he needs to go to WWE, which he will eventually go there. And they'll, they'll run with him. But I mean, Matt Hardy, who's starting to look good again, you know, is, like he's looking well, is, is what I mean. Like, it looks like he's taking care of himself again. Just nonsense storylines from an absolute imbecile booker who walks around in a Fulham football club top all the time and his hair is ragged. He looks like he, he literally looks like the Indian version of fucking Doc from Back to the Future. But at least Doc from Back to the Future had a clue. This lad has nothing. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't enjoyable really at all, was it? In any facet. Do you know? Do you know what I was really? I was really disappointed about that match. You know, like I had put to the side the big money match where the winner gets the other guys 
quarter ends, <laughs> first quarter ends, whatever. So he's just yeah. straight, straight away, that's bullshit. No one's handing over. All right, yeah, away, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I put that to one side and I was thinking, this is a rematch from Final Battle 2013 with two really good seasoned wrestlers in there. Let's have a good match. And it, yeah. start, it started out nice with a bit of a brawl. It was a decent match. And then it slowed to a crawl. And I was just there going, forget it. I'm out. Checked out. Done. You know what I mean? And I just couldn't. I put this can to my head. And you know, again, again, I'm looking at all these matches. You know, like all those people, all those workers that were on that card the other day. Like there has to be an element of embarrassment in terms of like the women's match was by far the best match on the card. By far the shite. best match card. And it was yeah, shite. But but in terms of it had a backstory, you know, you could understand some of the stuff that was going on. There was intensity. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but there was a bit of intensity and a bit of brutality to it. <laughs> but you know what I mean? When you put it in, in conjunction to all the other matches on the know what I mean it's just up and down the I'm going to upset some ladies here now and I'm just going to call it for what it is I've taken stronger shites than than what was in that match it was shite You're one, in fact I've taken bigger shites than their champion in fact um, it's, it's and, then, n- then, and then I listened to the scrum then I listened to the scrum of Tom Khan and one of the questions was Oh, here we go. What do, was it? Do we do we see do we see AEW doing a women's pay per view in the near future? And oh. and the answer was <laughs> absolutely. And I'm there going, oh good lord, here we are. This lad has already decided he wants to be AEWWE, and it's over. It's done. Get out yeah, of there, lads! As quick as you can. From the left wing media to ask that question, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and here we are talking now. Think about this, right? We're 15 to 20 minutes talking about this already. We haven't even no. got to the main event. We haven't no. even got to the main event. What main event? What was the main event? <laughs> well, the main event for me was like, you know, obviously they decided they wanted to have their own boneyard match. <laughs> you know, like, like, have they not got any creativity there at all where they could come up with their own ideas? I think the problem there is there's. Uh... Too many Indians and not enough Chiefs, or too many Chiefs yes, and not sir. enough Indians. Whichever way that one goes, it's just everybody feels like they have a piece of what they think might work, and what they're missing is a man who's willing to say, "No, no, 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 no." We have to project for years worth of programming. We've got some good, solid talent here. We've got a lot of slop, but what we need to do is stop fucking spinning the wheel on bits and pieces of aspects of different companies that seems to be working for them in different regions. And just throwing all the shit at the wall and hoping something sticks. I didn't. I, I I need certain things to be in place before I sit down and watch a, a pay per view that long. I didn't know it was going to be that long. I wouldn't have bothered with it. But the very first thing I need is for the commentary desk to be interested in what they're watching. And I have never ever heard Jim Ross so disinterested in sitting there watching a wrestling product. I'm like. If Ross isn't going to get behind it and lie to me, why should I sit here and lie to myself about what I'm watching? And Shivani. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I was never a massive fan of Shivani after. Like, I mean, I can't claim to be. I never was. But I don't, I, I never particularly minded him. He's not somebody, he's not like a, a Michael Cole who will go out and say, I don't like him, or a Jerry Lawler who I know a lot of people love him. I never did. But yeah. again, I grew up, I grew up watching a product where the commentary desk was integral. 
to the continuity of the product. The one thing that remained the same, regardless of the talent and the matches and the gimmicks, the men at the desk wanted to see what was happening in the ring and had opinions and strong opinions on it. Excalibur's his own biggest fan. He's just, he says things that he feels like he needs to, to get over with seven or eight people who are a big fan of his. Jim Ross just didn't want to be there. I think he's trying to creatively figure out a way to get fired without returning, just so he can save any money from his contract if he does if it does go to litigation. Tony Schiavone at one stage turned around and they were talking about the uh, the big show, you know, his program, and yeah. Schiavone said, I'm actually commentating that. And he, he made the statement, and it's something I really look forward to and enjoy, commentating on all these up-and-comers coming up. And what I heard was, I don't like this, but I'm going to like that because nobody knows who they are yet. That's a good point, yeah. Okay, Tony. Okay, fair enough. Thanks for being honest in your own way. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know, you know when you look at a, the colour commentary desk and you know that, like, like there has to be some sort of a dynamic and a relationship. And a, chemistry, yes. Yeah, you know that kind of, like, a cadence and a chemistry and a timing. And you know what I mean? Like, if your friend in, we'll call him, comes in and starts going for a headlock. Where does that leave Jim Ross to go? Where does it leave Tony Schiavone to go? They can't go anywhere. What are they no, going to do? Really. They're going to turn around and go, this is actually a side lock into a hip toss. And your man's going, and he's making Noel, the I'm going to give you, in the, in the great words of David St. Hubbins and Nigel Tufnell, I'm going to give you a spinal reference. See, this goes to 10. This goes to 10. Now it's at 10. Where can you go from there? Nowhere. But see, this one goes to 11. And that's the problem with fucking Mr. Maskman. He goes to 11 on every fucking comment that he makes, which leaves... leaves Because Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross, if it, if it was the two of them with someone like Mike Tanay, I don't know why Mike Tanay is in the wilderness. I think Mike Tanay should be fucking the first person that they hire for the fucking job. Uh, if you had someone like a Mike Tanay, a, a Tony Schiavone and a Jim Ross, we don't need the, the heel colour commentator anymore. We've established that. Those lads would have a perfect dynamic. This goon just literally steals all their thunder. And you can tell, Jay, we actually talked about this a few weeks ago, I think. Um, every time your man says, like, you know, a suicide dive, that's what it's called, a suicide dive. Don't pay El Supercito! And you can actually hear Jim going, did you really have to call it that? <laughs> you you don't you, you won't even get this from the WWE Spanish announcer desk. No, <laughs> you know what I mean. Joe, yeah. what, does, what, does Joe, what does Joe think about that? Actually, Joe, what do you think about that? Like, surely it infuriates you as well. Well, look, if you if you look back on the classic teams, the classic commentary teams, so you look at your Gorilla Monsoons and with Jesse Ventura or Bobby Heenan or um, or anything like that, you had one guy that was calling the match. Mm. And then you had the other guy that was telling you how painful it was, whatever it was that was happening in the match. Where, which, whereas AEW should have that dynamic where Jim Ross is calling it and then Excalibur should be explaining how painful it is because he's done, it's happened to him and he's done it all. But instead, what's happening is Excalibur is stealing every bit of thunder. He seems to be in business for himself. And he's yeah. just calling everything. He's running his mouth the entire time. And he's leaving nothing, as you as you guys said already. There's no, as Noel said, there's nowhere for them to go. When this lad's losing the run of himself over absolutely nothing, 
they're just like, what? Like, what? Where do we go now? Like, there's nothing for me to say except he's at eleven. Like, that's what I meant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, and they're just yeah, they're kind of saying, right? Um, well, now. Uh, he's getting up now. What the? F- Where am I now? Jesus. But, see, but by the time, by the time he's called a side headlock, whatever he calls it, or that suplex, <laughs> so by the, by the, whatever, whatever it is, by the time, by the time the boys come in to give their commentary, the match has moved on four or five moves, so they've lost it. It's too late. You know, it's madness, like you know what I mean. But I think <laughs> let, let's 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 bring it back a little. Let's let's just bring it back. Oh, what would he call an arm drag? Arm drag suicide. I'll just come in on a point that Ian made earlier there. Um, it, it, you talked about in that first match about how the books didn't sell anything and all that. Like. But I remember seeing them in a match. I think it might have been a PWG. And um, one of them, I can't, whoever the dark haired fella is, which is that Matt, is it? Yeah. yeah. But we'll he called uh, that. Right, his his leg got attacked for the entire match, and he sold it for the entire match. There was a bit where he was going to do the um, they went for the Melter driver, and he couldn't jump up onto the top rope because of his leg. Right, the thing is, what annoys me about the likes of the books and stuff like that is they have it in them. You know, the the talent is absolutely there, but they just seem to have run away. They, yeah. they've run away. They've let their egos run roughshod on themselves. And they're kind of ruining. For, they're they're not just ruining for them. They're ruining for the people that are watching it as well. You know, well for the, the, you know for you know. Sorry, no, go ahead. No, go ahead, Joe. Go no, no, I was I was kind of I was just tripping over my own words there. I was kind of a bit, they're, they're, I'm just I was just a bit pissed off because I said the talent's there. They're capable of selling and making things look, you know, as legit as possible. But they just don't seem to want to do it or not. I find they wrestle for themselves and not for us. I think they're in the ring for their own fandom. I, I, I don't, I don't, when the first, when they came down in the ring here that night, I just looked and I said, maybe this will be fun. Somebody's after getting into the rocker's wardrobe and rolling around and seeing what's stuck and then walked out. And, and that's in the ring here, that's just where I see in a modern updated kind of edgier rocker's gear. Yeah. And I got a little excited at the first match. I'm like, okay, I'm sitting down and I'm watching wrestling. It's Sunday. I'm not in work tomorrow. This is going to be fun. Four hours of watching what I, you, I tend to usually enjoy. <laughs> that didn't happen the, you know the, the problem is those guys have created a niche of earning from taking the piss out of the business and they can't they can't get out of that bubble now they, they can't get out of it that's how they understand how they're by absolutely taking the utter piss out of the business that's mm-hmm. the only way I can describe it and they're not on their own in there it's beautiful and it's just they can't seem to escape from it you know what I mean they're still they're supposed to be in a new organization that's in its infancy that's going to hopefully be the competition in the future, right? And they still can't dig their heads out of being the t shirt guys. And yeah. it's it's a it's a real problem, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like if you think about it, some of the best work that was done on that pay-per-view was done, and I was highly surprised at this because I was concerned when he signed. I thought Sting's work right in that warehouse match, I thought was top notch. I thought he worked really hard in the match. And yep. I wasn't expecting that in there at all. I thought he was going in there to just soak up the gravy train and ride it out easy. You know what I mean? But he was he was the highlight in that match. This is the guy who's getting this. Well, same, same with same with Darby Allen once again. Like you know yeah. what I mean? It, it's 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 these two guys are nothing. Like you know what I mean? It, it seems to be that it seems to be a bit of a trend here. But you know what? I, do you know what I felt was weird as well in terms of Darby Allen? I know we're we're fans of Darby Allen. You know what I mean? And we only spoke on a previous episode 
about how you know he has slowed things down and took some of the rubbish out and he's listening to people and he's bringing credibility to himself and all and then he ends up in this warehouse match and it like it's like it resets it back again you know what i mean and it's just it just didn't sit with me right where they were trying to sort of take that kind of rubbish out of it and then end up in this type of match i just i just felt like the whole card from top to bottom between gimmick between interference between the stupid use of people and ideas and every match why does every match have to be you know don't even get me started on that brass ring don't even get me started can i say i have one positive thing to say i have one positive thing to say um, I think I was actually really impressed with uh, Billy Gunn's two boys. Man, they, they look like books, right? They're young books now. Do you know what I mean? I thought they looked good. They moved well. They looked fucking in shape. They kind of reminded me of their old man as well because I think Billy Gunn is one of the most uh, underrated workers pretty much in the history of wrestling. Um, I thought they... I was very impressed with those two lads. I don't know if any of you boys agree or... They were lost in the mix, you're right. There's a potential future for them, but that's the wrong place to start getting televised. Absolutely. You know? Oh yeah, I'd agree with that. It was just it was just something that came to mind because I remember going, right, who do I think of? And I think Jay, you're right there as well. The one thing it's like when you're being introduced as Billy Gunn's kids and you come out in the gimmick that the da war as well, it's never the best place to start ever. Do you know what I mean? Because it's a big shadow to be in. It's a big shadow to be in. Like you know, even if it's a brother or something like that, if it's not done in the own heart way, it's not really the right way. Do you know what I mean? You got to come out and kind of make it on your own in a different kind of way. And what I mean by the own heart way is you got to come out as the little bastard or you know the, the antagonizer or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, or like, your own footing. Yeah. Yeah, building it up to fucking turn or something like that. And I think uh but no, I see potential in those guys. I mean, yeah, look, I'm and that's me literally trying to figure it. I mean, Pac and your man. Like, I mean, Pac should be in 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 a fucking in a match on his own against someone. Good lord, we're talking about one of the best pound for pound wrestlers on the planet here. That again, a lad who will just give you a solid wrestler match one on one. Yeah, does it doesn't need interference. Doesn't need an exploding baseball bat. Doesn't need credible the workers to run around and waste out of the fucking arena. Yeah. Just give me a wrestling match. I don't need any interference. Like every single match, if you go down through this card, every single match on this card was nearly a ripoff of New York, or it had some sort yeah. of stupid gimmick in it, or some sort of stupid moniker on the match or something like that. Like who comes up with an idea that you're gonna get a guy's first quarter? Like it's such, it's absolute horseshit. It, that was, like, that was horseshit. You know what I mean? That's the kind of rubbish we were nearly getting on thunder towards the end, you know? Absolute junk. You know what I mean? Can Vince, Vince Russo is free, lads, for a job. Can they actually hire Vince Russo? Because I tell you, he'd actually do better <laughs> than what this is. <laughs> right. Let's, well, let's, uh, just, sorry. Go ahead, Joe, go on. Just on that, on the brass ring thing that you brought up. They, they, I think AEW have a really big problem with um, constantly referencing the big company. There's no harm in mentioning them, but like you had that um, ridiculous throne smash thing that Cody did. Was it last year or the year before? You have, you now have, you, you, had, you had Brody Lee coming in and doing a parody of Vince McMahon 
you, you know, you've had that, you have the brass ring thing now. You know, like there's there's loads more there just off the top of my head. Like, yeah, but, it's but, starting to feel like they have a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, yeah definitely. You know, like, I, I agree with that. When it, looks like, when, it, when it looks like they're becoming, and with all the gimmicks and stuff like that, it's like they're becoming, uh, of what TNA did years ago, like, it looks like they're becoming a, a WWE light. You know, and, you know, WWE do their thing. And I talked about this before, but they just need to cut out their own section of what they do. And they're in danger now of going down that route that TNA did and becoming the WWE light. And they're going to fail fucking miserably if they do that. Because TNA fell on their face and they were dog shit for years because of it, trying to make it work and it didn't work. And also and another they- thing that I find with AEW as well, there's a, when, you, when you talk about how these guys say yes to everything and you know that they're throwing ideas, seeing what sticks, and no one seems to be saying no to anything. There's a guy there, Brian Cage, right, has an abundance of talent. Right? There's no doubt about that. But he, I don't know if he's worn them in AW now, but he used to wear them in Impact. He literally has a pair of trunks that have the letters GMSI on them. Or, yeah, GMSI. Getting my shit in. Like, you know, that's what it says. Pardon? Does it say that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. GMSI, getting my shit in, is what it stands for. And if that's the attitude that these guys are bringing to AEW, where they just want to do, I, you know, I just, I want to, I want. These are the fucking five or six moves I have to get in. Doesn't matter, because you, you know, you almost never see a squash match on AEW. You know what I mean? To get a guy, some monster super over it, very, very rarely happen. You know, so if they have that kind of attitude where I need to get my shit in. No matter what, um, it, it's 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 going to go to shit. Like the, that um, exploding barbed wire death match thing, right? One thing I can't understand. One thing I really can't understand about it is one of the reasons John Moxley left WWE was he said I hate hokey shit, and he's involved in that muck. And you know you just fuck it. Like, oh, I'm getting annoyed again. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. Please <laughs> do. Please before before we move on to that match, I want to discuss this brass ring match because it's just the golden donor. <laughs> what the cornet call it? The golden pile oh, cushion, the hemorrhoid yeah. cushion. What, I just, what, if Jim Cornet is listening to the four problem, please do because we'll appreciate everything we do. And to be fair, we all need to fucking work in tandem together to get rid of this shit. And no, I'll go back. But I just I, I just want to get an understanding of this. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but this region for the brass ring at no point was it ever about a TNT TV title with little or no history. How does that encompass the brass ring again? It's another piss take. It's a dig to Vince McMahon, of course. Yeah, I I, I just sorry, I was just, it's just like I was was saying that about that and the, the throne and that kind of shit. Like, just stop it. Do your own fucking thing. Stop. I agree. Doing I that agree shit. You, go. you I hear Cody. You hear Cody then talking about how we're not looking at what they're doing. I was like, you, you know, you might be looking at what they're directly doing, but you're fucking referencing them way too fucking much. Even that. Even that. And then the next day, you'll read interviews going, "We're open to some form of talent merger." It's like, well, only yesterday you were saying you were the alternative. The day before that, you were saying you don't have a problem with it. The day before that, you were smashing a H throne. Make your fucking mind up. Jay, Jay is hundred percent right there, actually, because Jay Jay is alluding to the fact that fucking Mister fucking Jazz Hands himself was saying something. You know, me and 
Triple H knows the business, so maybe one day we could work together. And I think it was Jim Cornette saying, in no way, fucking shape or form, is Triple H going to work with you, you fucking idiot. You know what I mean? And he's 100% right, because Kenny Omega is a fucking idiot. So are the Young Bucks. I don't believe that Cody's an idiot. I, 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 I do believe in Cody's work. Um, I, I believe in his ability in the ring and blah, 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 blah. But the problem is for people like me that have been defending, and this is why Noel wanted me to kind of talk about this tonight. I've been defending this fucking product for a long time now. Um, and as you all know, it's getting very fucking hard because I'm, I keep going, but trust the process. It's new. Trust the process. It's like having a football team, you know what I mean? And the manager is continuously making the same mistakes every fucking time. The trust the process moniker starts to fucking become a little bit stale after a little while. You know what I mean? And like Noel's a, Noel runs the upper tier, big football fan. Can Noel go in and manage Liverpool Football Club tomorrow just because he has dates and remembers fucking? Uh, you probably could do a job now tomorrow, Noel. To be fair. <laughs> you know what i mean though it, it, the point i'm making is like we, we all have these passions that we love like for example I'm, I'm a big fucking hockey fan can i go in and fix the calgary flames tomorrow no i can't in my head i can and on paper i can and in a fucking video game i can but in real life i can't and it's the exact same thing in pro wrestling Mr. Tony Khan, with all due respect, sir, I wish no ill will on you. You know, I appreciate that you fucking put money into trying to, you know, bring a wrestling product. At the end of the day, we're talking about your decisions on a professional level. They are shit. They are shit. You have no place in the wrestling business other than funding it. Step the fuck away. Another Big problem. Go uh, ahead, John. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, go on. Go ahead. Just uh, on the rant over anyway. Just mentioning Tony Khan again, when you were talking about him at the start and uh, when we started talking about him, just he has to stay away from from the TV cameras. Yes, sir. He yes. has to constantly, yeah. as you as you said, Ian, fucking throwing the curtains wide open yeah. to the, you know, to what's going on behind the scenes. It's, it's like, infuriating. Yeah, it's it's just as a, as a wrestling fan, like it's there. Jesus Christ, Tony, I want to be. I, you know, you do like when you when you watch a movie, you want to be transported into it and be part of it yeah and that's what you want to do at wrestling you want to be brought in you want to be dragged in by it but when you have someone going oh no a peekaboo this is what's happening here you're like oh, fuck off dickhead you know yeah. I want, I listen. you know what i mean because you want if to be you don't in. believe in your own product why should i yeah exactly but you want to be you know you want to be suckered in by it you genuinely do you know and we might give out about that like sometimes but we actually do we that's want why to be we brought watch in. yeah exactly but that's exactly we want to be brought in by it and the last thing we need is some gobshite fucking talking about how, you know, oh, this was gimmicked, or that was done this way, you know. I don't want to know how Spielberg put the shark in the water. Oh, well, I, I mean? well, I know how he did that, but anyway. No, I, I, and I do know, and then I, it kind of ruined it for me, but then I watched it again and I loved it. But you know what I mean? Some people, most, nine out of ten people don't want the illusion to be fucking ruined on them. You know what I mean? It's 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 magic. You know what I mean? It's sleight of hand. It's you know we don't know we don't need to know how Billy Connolly makes his jokes. We don't. We just need to be there to listen to them and be entertained by it, and that's it. And the problem is, people like Tony Khan, like I say, who has no place, no place in 
there's two places that he has no no place in. A booking a wrestling match, and B talking about a wrestling match. All right, because he's a fucking fan. Now, with like I said, with all due respect, I appreciate what he's doing, trying to create an alternative and 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 funding something for pro wrestling at a different organization. That's fine, and I love the throwbacks that he's doing and making it look a little bit different and look a little bit like WCW because I'm a fan of that, of of the of the whole aesthetics if that makes sense um but in no way shape or form does he have any business any business booking or promoting wrestling matches so him and dave Meltzer can go fuck themselves that's all i'm going to say on a professional <laughs> level um and yeah that's all i got to say about that in the true words of stone cold steve austin i just want to mention something and i'm gonna it's gonna lead us into the surprise signing because I need to talk about this. He's making me drink fucking right. beers in one. Absolutely. Lash them back because you're going to need them. Um, Christian Cage is backstage. Now, obviously, we don't know this because he's the surprise sign. Okay. He brings his lunchbox, by the way. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not, fin- I'm not finished yet here. Hang on now. Hang on. We have a match. The face of the revolution. Ladder match. And the final person in the match is to be announced. Yeah. Now, Christian Cage is backstage signing with AEW. And we get Ethan Page. And I'm just there now. Look, it was bad enough we got Ethan Page. But then finding out that Christian Cage was backstage for a face of the revolution ladder match. And I was thinking, oh my God, this is just... So I'm going to move on from that as quickly as I can because the frustration is just boiling can, can over. We, can we shoot on Christian though as well on this, in fairness? Oh, we're, we're, go- we're going to have a conversation now about Christian Cage and how all the love we poured out for him at the end of that Royal Rumble just got washed away in that tidal wave in San Andreas that the rock was able to fly right over in the speedboat. <laughs> and I'm just, you know what I mean? Where do we even begin? Where do we begin with Christian Cage? Okay, I love Christian I love Christian. I think we Me all too. do. You Me know, too. As a character, as a worker, he was the guy who always battled against the company and, and tried his best for and went Evidently not as a man, though. <laughs> but just, you know what I mean? He walks out onto the stage, says nothing. Walks down to the ring, signs a contract, says nothing. Leaves and says nothing. Um, and I, like... But could there have been a worse surprise signing? Um, and by the way, be careful when you call these guys future Hall of Famers, because unless AEW are setting up a Hall of Fame, <laughs> these kind of career moves are devastating. Yeah. Are devastating to the legacy of your career. Noel, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you on something there, and I don't mean in a bad way. I'm gonna call you on your memory. In fact. Uh, doesn't that remind you of that ridiculous time that Jericho came back one of those times where he walked down to the ring and said none? Do you remember he'd done that for about three weeks in a row? And people were like, what the fuck's happening here? Remember he came back and he was just like, hmm, and then walked away. Now, at least that was done with a bit of pizzazz. And you knew, WWE, your trust was that you're going to continue to tune in every week to WWE because you know it's probably gone somewhere. And evidently, it did. You know what I mean? That's when we got the Festival of Friendship and stuff. But Christian Cage, sorry, I'll just start with the Christian Cage thing. 
I find that actually, like, if I was Edge or people like that, I mean, Edge, like, he must have had a fallen out with Edge or something, did he? Because, like, like he got a fucking spot in the rumble. Got, got, like, Vince gave him that camera time to fucking have a moment where they hugged and blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, oh, I'm going to sign with fucking AEW. Like, was it because they put a couple of extra dots on the check? Like, I'm sure WWE would have offered that contract as well. Do you know what he should have done? I, I'm at a loss for words. Someone, someone, please put some context on we, it for me. We did mention it before. He actually should have hit the kill switch and then did the AEW thing in the ring like Brett with the WCW. Or something like that. If you want us to be I'd have had more respect for that. I'd have had more respect. And then spat in the announcer's face or something. It, it, it should have been like, I don't know. At this stage, I feel real sorry for him. I think he probably had something that he wanted to say, but he was watching backstage and just took up his little script and tore it. I'm not saying that in here. I can't I can't do that. And we'll walk down, I'll, I'll sign me contract and I'll walk out, but I can't believe what I've just done. And it's yeah. too far wait gone till, for me to turn around and quit. Wait till next Wait till next week, Jay. He might not have signed at all. He could have wrote fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, grand, thanks. <laughs> he should have. He should have showed up. I think on, I'll leave it. He should have showed up on Raw with the brass ring. <laughs> but you're not wrong. Like, I mean, if he was to do one thing that, like, he could have been a highlight of this whole event. He could have brought his fucking his gear and being a break the court and fucking surprise. Not just walk down and soil and sign. Any one of them matches, he could have just ran down and did something. I mean, everybody gets to run down to an AEW ring and do something anyway. It's like they used every single person on their roster on one event because it costs 50 quid. It's like, look, let's just fill this room full of talent. I mean, let's have more wrestlers backstage than we have fans up front. Half the world doesn't know who yeah. half these people are. This is air kind of first major event. It's a fucking stinker. It's a clanger. I mean, when the young books here are highly and there was more botches in that fucking match than I care to remember. I was even saying, ah, maybe, maybe it's just a first match to nervous. Maybe we'll get past this. The next one's going to be better. The next one's going to be better. And then Christian walks down and literally does nothing. He doesn't even say how he is. There's nothing. Just. But just on what? Sorry, sorry, Jay. You finished? You sorry, shoot, sorry. baby. Shoot. Sorry, Paul. Um, just on what Niall said there about um, the 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 ladder match, like that, the perfect opportunity to have Christian come out and to have him win it, especially because yeah. you had that brass. It would have made fucking sense there. Definitely. If he right up to the and, top. Yeah, if he went and got that brass ring, it would make complete sense. It's like, yeah, of course, Christian never given proper uh, proper going WWE, reaching for that brass ring, grab it. Now it makes fucking sense. You know, they, and his um, tag partner is tag partner's main event that mania look. So I mean, it's 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 perfect yeah. timing. It all, it all yeah. it, you know, it all, it all kind of intertwined. Yeah. Um, but even forgetting about the edge thing, just that bit of Christian reaching up and grabbing it would have made a lot of sense, I think. But like Ethan, like Ethan Page is good. Don't get me wrong, he he is good. But Jesus Christ, like it, it was like a wet fart him coming out. You know what I mean? When everyone is expecting <laughs> the big the big new signing to come out. It, it was it was a it was an absolute dud. I don't know what they were playing at. And like his nickname is literally Captain Charisma, and he came out, scribbled on a bit of paper, and fucked off. And he's like, what? 
Like, Jesus Christ. Now, the only that's thing the I opposite. Think, yeah, that's the opposite. Yeah, the only thing I can think is that they were backstage and they went, Chris, you've gone <coughs> way over time. You don't have, we don't have 10 minutes to give you or five minutes to give you. Just go out there, sign the thing and get back. It was it was an absolute joke. He should have well, been well if that. that if that was the case, Joe, to be fair, if that was the case and you're someone like Christian and that, I would be like, do you know what? I think I'm gonna take a flight back to New York then. Like if we've gone way over time, because I should be a priority. You know what I mean? Um, you know, you, you want me to be your big sign and it, it like I'm I'm baffled. I'm absolutely baffled. Like I, I'm telling you here now, and I'm gonna fucking say it. And people can laugh at me, and I guarantee you Jim Cornette will agree with every single fucking word I say. You may as well hire Shitstain, as, as uh, Jim Cornette likes to call him. You may as well hire <laughs> fucking Vince Russo, because you know what? You might actually get some structure for a couple of weeks. Because at this moment of time, there's absolutely nothing. Nothing. But it'd be like, again, just thinking about things that they could have done to turn around and maybe inject a little excitement into the product going forward. Captain Charisma literally could have just walked down there and, again, just put together a whole little spiel saying, uh, you know, I've been here, I've been there, I've wrestled everywhere, I've wore belts left, right and centre, I've been in this business an awful long time, I was the guy who should have but never could have. Now I'm here to turn things around. I take a look at your book and I take a look at your, uh, your roster. I take a look at everything that's wrong in this company. And that's the one reason I'm here. I'm not here to uh, compete. I'm here to take over. And then, boom, after that segment, send them into the fucking brass ring. Give, just basically wipe out everybody, create a super superstar, a kind of a, a voice of the conscientious wrestling objector. Make him everything Cornet says about the product. Fucking run a true Christian's bleeding mouth. Let him be the guy saying, this is all shit. You are all terrible. I'm the big greatest ever. And you all know it. I just never got to prove it to you. Now is my time. And fucking have him run a little program with, uh, who's TNA champ or the, the, the TNT champ? Darby Allen right now? Darby Allen, yeah. Straight into the mix, lend and let a little rub of credibility on fucking Derby. Have a program of him, a best of three for that belt. Let me lend credibility that Actually, belt. Yeah, bring back the best of seven, even. Do you know, you what, know I mean? what I mean? A series over the course of a year to one, invest a little credibility into the belt by somebody who's wore belts around his waist and is credibility. I believe in that, but that's beautiful, Jay. Actually, sorry, yeah. can, I, can I actually just and and it brings one one baby it brings credibility back to the product yeah. as well, not just yes, the belt. Yes, you know what I mean. Yes. So it's just absolutely. I mean, can we can we say something as well? Because I'm actually getting very annoyed. Not not at anyone here. I'm actually getting very annoyed with with the narrative <laughs> that AEW WCW WCW was a very fucking successful product and done right for a long time. People need to remember that, like. Jay brought a very, very valid point there. And personally, one of my favorite uh, gimmicks of all time was the best of seven series for the TV title. And there was one with Fifth Finley and uh, Chris Benoit. There was one with Chris Benoit and uh, Booker T, which I know Niall will remember. Um, they were fucking phenomenal matches. They were done in the old hockey, uh, yeah. basketball kind of style. Brilliant stuff. Very, very innovative things. Uh, like all of their stuff was great. People only remember the, the fucking mess at the end of WCW shows. Do you know where it was like 20 fucking NWO lads talking shite and spray painting Goldberg? They don't 
kind of want to go back and look at the absolute genius of Kevin Sullivan's booking at the start of the show. You know what I mean? With the likes of the Juventud Guerreras and Jericho's and some of the great matches that we got to see. So WCW, you know, AEW aren't even nearly in that ballpark. Just because they have made an aesthetic appearance to make it look like that, that's the illusion. That's the illusion. The illusion is that they have put together a professional wrestling show. But the reality is that they're fucking lunatics that don't know what they're doing. And you've got, as Joe... As Noel and as Jay has said, and I'm sure as countless people around, and I don't care if you're listening to this show and you get offended by this because, you know, your Balden book is your favorite and I offend you. Fuck them. They don't know what they're doing because they literally are in business for themselves. They don't care about you. They care about how much money you spend. They care about fucking how good they look on TV. They're in business for themselves. They are absolute frauds and absolute morons. Because don't forget, before the speaking, all these fucking guys were in business with the same jabronis that we're talking about, the Joey Ryans and all that. And then all of a sudden, oh, we better cut them off. That's bad for business. Do you know what I mean? So fuck them guys. I've no time for them. But it's, look, look. From the, the the problem with AEW right now is it, it could be fixed. It could be. I'm not, I'm not being completely negative. Oh, it can be. It can right? be. Yes. But it's it like setting be. up a chessboard and playing drafts. The yeah. if they have like they've everything there, Jay. They've all the, the pieces are all the there. But they're worried about yeah. tonight and tomorrow's response. It may, they're, they're running a sprint One against the marathon. The yeah, well, no, there's a lot. Of, everybody's yeah. the problem. It would take one person. No, but the one person that the problem is the guy Foley. You know what I mean? That's that's all I'm saying. Sorry. He's us. He's us. We're a millionaire, a billionaire father. He's a fan. I honestly believe at this stage that you know AEW is a tax write-off. I mean, if you don't spend your money, the American government takes it from you. You've got to find ways to get rid of that money because sooner or later they'll come knocking and say, "Here, we want loads of that," and they will. But AEW right now has a lot of talent. It well, it's got a lot of shit as well in it. It, 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 it like even with that the, the Christian uh, Christian program with uh, the TNA title grab the fucking you know the golden donut box off that title with Darby and him for a fucking year like we said invest yeah. some serious interest in it as a title introduce some fucking projected psychology into the creation of this belt it, it, it does so many things. It, it basically, it takes Cody away from his belt and says, right, you had a good year with it. You're no longer the Cody show that's doing a little bit in between the rest of this quagmire and it's something that you're responsible for as well. You brought all your friends in. Now you go off and play with your friends because your belt is otherwise engaged in a year-long program to build one man up to the point where another man is. Let's box that off. Now you've got to wrestle in the first hour or the middle hour. You're no longer the main show at the dance because... Chris is off doing weird, funny skit shit, and he's obviously clearly given up on life, wrestling, and belts, you know. And 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 the AEW title seems to be just jumping, jumping from men, from man to man who doesn't know what to do with it in the bigger scheme, grander scheme of things. Like they, they have no, they have no projection going into. Like, like again, on the last episode, we spoke about how Vince is running publicly floated company and he's always projecting for year after year after year 
he's making decisions now that'll affect the company in 365 days. Tony Khan's making decisions now that are going to affect the company in 15 minutes. <laughs> That's not how you can fucking work. Like it's. I mean, look. Obviously, Jay. Like you're you're right in what you're saying. Like obviously, he's a successful businessman. He runs the the you know the Jacksonville Jaguars and and whatever. Right, that's fine. That seems to be their niche. They can run football clubs and they know how to run stuff like that. But the thing about this was, and Joe, I don't, and Joe and Noel can actually back me up on this one. Like, does it? This business is completely different to anything else, unless you are like, you don't have to have a business brain for this. Like, forget about dots and O's and crossing the T's and. This business is about knowing how the business works and what sells. It's it's based on psychology, right? Yeah, the, the, the only the only thing I, I think about, you know what I mean? He obviously got bored with NFL because Brady just owned it, the franchise for so many years. But I just, you know what's really weird to me? Like, I can't imagine, let's take, for example, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can't imagine Joe Glazer walking down onto the pitch with a flipboard and saying to Tom Brady, I think this play should be a running play. What do you think? <laughs> like, I, I, I can't imagine, like, I can't imagine, no. I can't imagine if I won the Euro millions that I would be sitting backstage at a show, pumping money into it. And on one side, I've Stone Cold Steve Austin, and on the other side, I've Bret Hart. And I get the two boys together and say, lads, this is how I think this match should go. We're going to lay it in, right? It's going to be brilliant. Like, that's what you're paying those guys to do. Yeah. Stay away from it. Just pay yeah. the checks. Be a fan if you want. Sit out in the audience. Even Ted, put, Turner, Ted put, Turner did it. Put Ted a, Turner stayed away. Put a throne out in the audience if you want to have a joy of a Triple H and sit in the throne and put a crown yeah. on your head if you want. I don't care. But please, let bookers and legends and wrestlers put wrestling together. Stay you away. Know. You made a good point there, right? Bret Hart even turned around. Remember he said that uh, WWE offered him a job to, to book matches backstage. And he said, the only reason I turned it down was because I just can't do the travel. Obviously because of whatever like health conditions he's had. He said, 100% I would have loved to do it, but I just can't travel the schedule that they want me to. Right? That's a perfect opportunity to have someone like Bret Hart on a fucking Zoom call. Do you know what I mean? Or not just him, anybody. Do you know what I mean? It could be Brett or, well, all right, well, not anybody, but it could be Brett or it could be someone like that, that you could go, right, this is your guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, people are doing it in the NBA now at the moment where certain coaches can't fucking actually meet their guys so they're there. They're on the Zoom call with the guys and they have their assistants there. There's always enough people to relay the message. Ian, I, I don't, sorry. I don't no, even think I don't think they even need to go outside of AEW. You have Arn Anderson, Buddy Blanchard, Jerry Lynn, Billy Gunn. These guys are all backstage. Like Ricky Steamboat is there, isn't he? Steamboat there as well, is he? You know what I mean? You're like, what the fuck? They don't need to be getting on Zoom calls. These guys are there in the. Book. Imagine, imagine some little fucking American, American fucking moron like himself, right? Just going, I am the man. I'm gonna look like it, and I am the man. <laughs> Look, let, let's let's move on to the main event because you know what I mean. It, well, we do because you know it holds. <laughs> with, it, it, it's <laughs> very it's very close to one of our um, sayings that we say on the network. 
Um, and these boys the other night certainly did not forget the talk. <laughs> and I'm just going to put that out there for starters. I've never seen a match that was either sponsored by Johnson's Baby Powder or Odlin's Flower or whatever it was. <laughs> I, I, I've never been so... And, and, you know, I don't like hardcore wrestling. I don't like barbed wire. I don't like all this stuff. It doesn't, fucking hate hardware wrestling. It doesn't interest me at all. But you know what? I said, I'll watch it. It's Moxley and it's Omega. I'll watch it. The ref and the hazmat suit. I just, I, I straight away lost for words. Could they not have got a hazmat suit that looked like the referee's colours with the stripes on it? Either? You know what I mean? Like, like put a bit of effort in. If you're gonna go there with it, you know I mean, I don't think hazmat suits. I don't think hazmat suits do aren't for fire explosions anyway. That's more of a camera. Actually, thing Joe, what did you what did you think of that, Joe? I thought that was actually <laughs> As Niall as Niall said uh, earlier on, the only reason to have that there was for a reveal, which yeah. didn't fucking happen. Nonsense of the highest order. It should have been a reveal though, shouldn't it? Like, uh, like someone like I don't know. It could have been Jericho or the next guy that was going to get the title. Do you it know what I mean? Could have, been, could have been Christian. Yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> there you that. go. There you go. There it you was go. fucking dog shit. You know, like they they could. You know, you could have had. I wish it was Tony Khan. Yeah. Well, you could you could have had um, you could have had at that in the brass ring match. You could have had you know Ethan Page. Yeah. And that would have made, and people would have thought, is that really the Hall of Fame fucking signing? And then Christian Cage, in the middle of that match, whips the hazard suit off. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. It would have been better than what they did with him, where he came out, did nothing and fucked off. That would have been, that, that's a great point, Joe. We, we, we would have guessed, I'll, I'll though. I mean, job. even a man in a hazmat suit with his skills and talent would have moved better than those two cluster fucks in the ring. You'd have guessed straight away. That, that's a professional wrestler in a hazmat suit. How do you know? Even a walking backwards has more skill and talent than these two cluster fucks bashing each other in the heads. Now, it, it, like, this, this match was built up to nearly be the next Fukushima meltdown. <laughs> this is how this is how they they built this match up. Right, this was gonna be the match. No, I don't know how to even describe it. Right, but I tell you one thing: I've tr I've gone into town and I bought better selection boxes of fireworks for the kids for Halloween than what I got this match. And I just do. We even need to start talking about Eddie Kingston coming down to say. I, li I live in Finglas, trust me, and Jay lives in Cabra and slash Finglas. Trust me, if they wanted fireworks, they literally should have just called one of us. It's all I'm saying. I've, I've so, still got a box of black hats from 1996 in the bedroom dude, there. Dude, I have one from under my bed. My uncle gave them to me on my first communion. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, forget about the match and everything else that went on in the match. The barb word, I had very few barbs in it, but we won't even go there anyway. Um, but let's let's talk about the end of the match. He's lying in the ring and Eddie Kingston runs down and jumps on him like he's a Navy SEAL out of his company and he's saving him from a grenade or something like that. And the next thing, the explosion goes off. And I'm thinking, at a minimum, at a minimum, you should be at least blown out the ring post and collapsing the ring. Give me something. And we get a couple of puffs of smoke, which looked like flower bombs thrown in there from the crowd. It looked like talc blown yeah. up. But the way he jumped on this guy, you know, 
I, I actually thought at one stage that a sniper had broken into the building and shoot people or something. <laughs> That's what I thought was going on. And like, once again, whoever's booking this, it totally devalues Eddie Kingston. It was He's been ruined. He's been fantastic. fucking ruined. Bless him. Like, like people will mention yeah. that again and again and again, and I just, I, I can't even. You know, a, good, a good friend of ours, um, good friend of mine, someone that I've had the privilege to 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 work with um, many times over, Paddy Morrow, um, who who got the chance to work with Eddie Kingston the last time he was over before before COVID. Had nothing but great things to say about Eddie Kingston. And I actually kind of asked him, I was like, you can tell Eddie Kingston is a consummate professional. You know what I mean? No, He's on the, was on the rise. Exactly. And and as Jay said, it's 100% true. Just just halting progress. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to re-christen him, christen him Tony Kant. Don't, but, but I am going to say about Tony Kant, and this is what bothers me about him. Tony can't. It's the fact that he, yeah, he can't do it. He can't do everything himself. <laughs> I think Tony can should literally, he has literally fallen on something beautiful here that he has created. And like, if I was someone like Tony can there, or if I was an advisor to Tony can, I'd be looking and saying, Tony, look at the aesthetics of this. You've created this. Do you know what I mean? Brand new company. This is beautiful. Now let the guys that know what they're doing run it the same way Ted Berner did. You know what I mean? You like you've already done your job. You've you, you've created this. If you want to have a hand in it, you sign the checks. Yeah. If 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 you want to be the Vince McMahon, where you go, mm, no, I don't like that storyline. No, fair enough. No problem. It's your company. But you see, the, the, the problem with that, Ian, is uh, forgive me for interrupting you. We have got. To, we spoke about this again yeah, before, time did. and time again. No, he, it's it's. There's too many people listening to too many people online when people online are talking through the cake hole and aren't in charge because they're shy at these things. You can't listen to the fans. You've no. got to give the fans a product and let them enjoy it or not enjoy it. And and. and you know, you know. Uh, me, I interrupted you there. Go on. No, no, like because I was just saying, like especially in the United States of America, right? It's not like uh, it's not like. It's not like say Premier League football. Noel will will back me up on this, right? You've got your manager. He's your manager. Then you've got your director of football. In the US, the GM is the big thing. The general manager decides what happens. Even and, and like even ahead of the fucking guy that's paying him. But he's given that two-year, three-year contract to fucking make those decisions, whether for the good or the bad. That's exactly what should be fucking happening here with AEW. There needs to be a GM. Right, a Tony confident Khan. leader leadership structure. Exactly. G Tony Khan needs to be like, right, I'm paying the checks. I'm overseeing everything. Right. This looks good. That looks good. Boom. Because if Tony Khan wasn't in the fucking locker room licking the ball sacks of all the wrestlers that he fantasized about when he was young, right, he'd actually be overseeing his own product that he's already done a great job on and going, guess what? That main event looks shy because there was puffs of smoke coming out. Do you know what I mean? Instead of drinking with the boys backstage and making it like a little boys party, to be honest with you, he looks like a fucking lad who just wants to be part of that locker room. And I, I don't, I don't blame him from that. You know what I mean, Joe? You're, you're agreeing with me there. Do you want to? Do you want to join? Well, in? I, I, I said it before about that. That Tony, he's a fan. You know what I mean? And he's, he's living, he's living his fucking dream. 
where he gets to hang out with his mates. And he's got all the money in the world to do it, yeah. Yeah, who happen to be these fucking uh, professional wrestlers. And he's hanging out with them. He doesn't want to piss any of them off because they're his buddies. So he's saying yes to every little bit of bullshit. Like I said it before, where you need, when, when creatives are involved, you need the straight man to fucking pull the reins back a little bit and go, hold, hold it there, you're going a bit too fucking far with this now. And Tony Khan, I don't think he's doing that. He's just going, oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, and he gets excited about it. You know what I mean? You're gonna, you know, because they're excited. He gets excited. He's like a fucking puppy. And he's just, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that's unreal. That's awesome. And whereas he's not looking at it objectively and kind of going, well, if we actually think about it, that actually might be dog shit. You know what I mean? So maybe bring it down a couple of notches. That's now, why I mentioned the GM thing. Like, if you said, like, if Tony Khan, right, I'm just, just, I'll play devil's advocate. I'll play fantasy booker for a minute, right? If I'm Tony Khan here, or if I'm his advisor, I'd say, right, I'm looking at your roster here and who's relevant. I'm telling you here now, the first person <laughs> I would fuck, I would hand the reins to Aaron Anderson. He's your GM. He is your GM now. He makes all the decisions on who's booking the matches who's, you know, he's going to be the guy that divvies everything out because he's got the respect of the locker room. He's got the respect of the back. There you go. He's your boy. Or you could say, you could, you you know, you could, you know, Jay could turn around and say, right, well, give it to Ricky Steamboat. But I think Aaron Anderson is a perfect example of someone that you are totally Blanchard, whichever fucking one you want. Because any one of them, just don't give it to Jake the Snake because he's still a pisshead. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you see, no, look, structure is a very interesting and unique thing, right? Everybody outside of it has a view and opinion on it. But uh, there's no other sport quite like professional wrestling. No, there isn't. And there's, there's no other structure for a sport quite like it. There, in, in the entertainment world, you can't compare anything to it. It's flesh opera with mortal consequences. You need more than somebody who has a great CV. Like, he has a lot of credible men in that company, but none of them were ever of the ascension to the level that is needed to completely command that much ego in one locker room. Like like we said there a few episodes ago, there's almost a substructure taking form in AEW that hasn't been squashed very early. You've got the first hour, the second hour, and the third hour. You've got the Cody bit, you've got the AEW belt bit, and then you've got whatever else is going on here. Then you've got the imported Japanese fucking schoolgirl wrestling. You've got a, a, a women's division that is running amok. I, what I would do, if I, there's one man on the, in the world right now of professional wrestling who could turn it right around in about two, three months. It's not iron. It's it. I get Fit Finley, and if there's enough money on the planet, I'd say Fit, come in. Why? We need a bastard. We need a bollocks. We need a hard leather neck fuck who's going to even turn around to Jake the Snake and say, "You're wrong. You weren't that good in '96, and you were never great. You talk brilliant, but you're wrong." It needs somebody who is a fucking leader, and they are so rare. Like an army. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Actually. Look, look, he turned around women's wrestling, full stop. He's the one who lent it its credibility. Now, where are we? Five, six, ten years after Fitz intervention, fucking ladies headlining WrestleMania and, and, and all women fucking cards. It's beautiful, brilliant, and glorious. And it happened under one leader. You can't substructure 
military like that. If you're going to push as a campaign, you need a fucking general who instills belief in men, can lead men, but also denounce the moat and cut down men. You get, and, and as much as the credibility of Ricky Steamboat and Aaron Anderson and fucking Jake the Snake Roberts war, they were never that good. They were ne- they never held the big job. No, that no. makes that makes sense, Jay, and that kind of that kind of goes back to the old uh, the the whole fact that like Kevin Sullivan was such a good booker for WCW because you know he was never mentioned, but he was a guy that could command respect and be like, look, fucking listen to, to what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So great, 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 uh, great choice there. Yeah, the yeah, one, no, the, you need a leader, and they don't have one. The, the one thing when I look at this, I would say is that. If you if you take a look at this and you take Tony Khan out of there and you put Triple H in there, okay, not one of those matches, either in structure or in gimmick or in setup or in backstoryline or whatever it is, would get to walk through that curtain the other night if he was there. No. It just would not happen. No. None of them lend credibility to the business. He's the best. He's the best in the business at he, this moment in time. Fact. He, he will stand there and face that down. This is a guy who stands there at times and faces Vince down, and this, you know, and has plenty of arguments with Vince about, you know, our friend Finn Balor and all sorts of stuff like that. And like when you think about it, all the fan base that's out there find it very easy to go in on WWE and NXT and the Wednesday Night Wars. And, Triple H is this and he's that and this and the other. Have a look at the product that you just paid a full day's work and disposable income to watch and then you get on your forums and you get on your socials and try to convince us how great it is as you press the purchase button on the latest Orange Cassidy t-shirt. And I want you to stop doing that. I want you to walk into the bathroom and take a look, a hard look in the mirror and try to figure out at what point you describe yourself as a wrestling fan. And that's the you only may, way I can describe as, it. You may as well buy yourself a Bailey Hug Me t-shirt at this point. <laughs> it's probably more credible. You know what? Um, it's far more credible. And I'll tell you why. I just want to... I know we're wrapping up here, Noel, but uh, I just want to say in closing, to be honest with you, I think everything you've said there is absolutely spot on. Mm. Like I, I think, um, you know, Triple H, you know, we've we've had little little jokes and little even disagreements <laughs> on this on this podcast about Triple H in the past. Triple H is wrestling at this moment of time, and you know, without someone like Triple H, you know, people like. All four of us, for example, would be lost, wouldn't we? You know what I mean? Because when we're looking at NXT, we're going... He's the one shining light in a quagmire of shit. Yes. Yeah. It yeah. also, it also this this current... If, if that's the best that they can do in the second year of pandemic with nobody paying at the fucking door, it just goes to cement everything that Vince McMahon has been over the last 35, 40 fucking years. Yeah. Yeah, Joe. And the second thing, sorry, forgive me. A second aspect. It's starting to look like NXT move days, not because it was losing the war, but it didn't want the stink of AEW shit all over it. Um, I, I have to say, I'm beginning. Like, I want AEW to succeed. Of course, I do. 
I don't we think there's do. anyone out there that doesn't. We all do, yeah. Any genuine wrestling fan wants any company out there, big or small, to succeed. Absolutely. We, we deserve a viable alternative. Yeah. But I, I, I am in serious worry for AEW at the moment. And down that road. The TNA went down a few years ago. Yeah, you've been saying they're, that. You've been saying that. They're, yeah. they're, beca- they're having digs at the competition instead of concentrating on doing their own thing. And they're signing all these legends. They're spending big bucks getting these guys in. And I like, I think like TNA, did, it won't move the dial enough for them. You know, because everyone's just going to see through it and go, this is the same shit that we saw before with another crowd. You know, because... Like when you when I know Niall would know more about this probably than your um, Ian and Jay now, but when Dixie Carter took over TNA, she came in big money, and she was a fan, and TNA went to shit. Right? She brought Hogan in though, right? She brought Hogan in. She brought Bischoff, Kevin Nash, and you know all these big names came in. Macho Man was even there for. A short one, you know, turned up once <laughs> and won a match with the fucking punch. Ridiculous. But, but the, you know, you, you, piece match man, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. One of the greatest of all time. But, um, you know, I, I, that's what I see happening again. I see someone, a fan with big money, signing all these big names that aren't going to, that aren't going to do a whole lot. A lot of them won't. Like, sure, I think, I think Paul White has already kind of resigned himself to not wrestling. Uh, Sting will only be able to do what he's, what he did the other night, these cinematic matches. Um, and now Christian, I think, could potentially be a good one. Um, but they've already thrown him into the title scene just straight away, which is another thing TNA used to do. They'd get these big signings in, they'd walk in straight into the title, into the title scene. And I just I just I just worry so much that they're going down that road again. Yeah. You know, when they're not looking at, at how history can repeat itself, and they're just gonna end up Khan's gonna throw money. At it and good money after bad, and eventually that he, he's going to have to pull the plug on it because he's just losing too much and it'll be over. Why, I really why, don't want why, that to happen. I really don't. Why don't we close this up by looking at realistically, right, at their options? This is a good conversation to close up on. Like, like realistically, like Cody is as big as Cody's a bigger star at this moment of time in this world of wrestling than Christian is just because he came back at the Royal Rumble doesn't mean that he's a bigger star than Cody. So Cody's been kind of, and by the way, had matches that have been fucking phenomenal, right? So Cody has kind of taken that kind of proper professional wrestling fucking view of stepping back and letting these little fanboys run their little shit show for a while. And then he'll obviously make his mark to strike eventually, um, which I hope. I was about to say, I think you're being very optimistic. Yeah. Very optimistic. He got out of the match for 14 fucking minutes in his own pay-per-view, pretty much. He was like, I can't, I can't be in this ring. I'm sitting over there. I know. And, and, and the funny thing about it, but you understand what I mean. It's like, no. Rhodes is there. And yet, like, Kenny Omega is, is the star of the show constantly. And fucking John Moxley is the star of the show constantly. And it's the same shite. Every time these two have a match, it's either ridiculous, fake, barbaric show. Remember the one where they had the fucking the bed of uh, the bed of uh, barbed wire? 
it's like I don't understand it. Like, I mean, like John Moxley wins the fucking basically the Lutez award, and you're like, there's nothing Lutez about this guy. And and I am a Moxley fan. Don't get me wrong, I actually do like Moxley from from his his stuff that he did in WWE. Because guess what? In WWE, with structure, he was made to wrestle. And the reason he didn't like WWE was because he didn't get the opportunity to disobey the boss and go and do this shit. I used to wonder why they never ran with Moxley as the guy. I used to, I always thought he was the sleeper. He could have been the 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 now you know. Now I know. Now I absolutely know. He is happy being that fucking hardware wrestler and I just you just said something recently it's been sitting there in front of the whole fucking company all along do you know what I would do I don't think Tony Khan has anything to do with this except for the cash I think he just goes yes 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 we put too much of the bullshit on his feet it's not his fault it's not his fault he has no history in this he's making bad decisions and the, the answer is sitting right there in his own fucking company Again, there's the, the Cody W revolution all in. One of the greatest pay-per-views I've seen in 20 years to the worst pay-per-view I've ever seen in fucking two years. Yeah. No, he's not the fucking guy. Do you know who is the guy? He's the young, dumb cum shot. He is the money shot. The world loves him. He was the guy who went off and did all this at the right age. Blah, 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 blah. The answer sitting right there. And it's his older fucking brother. I'd put the whole company in, in Dustin's hands and I'd say, I tell you what, you know how to wrestle. You understand psychology. You're your father's son. You stayed quiet. You made a fucking gimmick work for 20 goddamn years. You've got the respect of the whole industry. Please help us. You're already on the payroll. GM, Toward... GM baby. Yes. Yes. Let him. Let him. Yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I'd be, I wouldn't be opposed to Anton at this point. <laughs> I, I wish I wish Tony Khan felt as passionately as I did. And it's not my money. He's got the answer sitting under his nose, like. The, the worst thing about it, like myself and Joe, and all of us, like, we're dying to have an alternative. We're dying to have another TNA at its peak. Wrestling needs it. Yeah. We, yeah. we want that. We want this product to be good. We want to tune into this pay-per-view and get that final battle 2013 rematch. We, this is what we want. You know what I mean? But Tony can't promise us that though, Noel. He said he would make wrestling relevant again. And like everything that you boys have said to me tonight has actually reassured me in my mind that he is just a little fanboy listening to the clowns that are the Young Bucks and Kenny Omegas and all that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, most outstanding wrestler of the year award was given to... Like, really... How do we take these people seriously? Like, for, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now, and I'm gonna say it for the last time. Like Dave Meltzer, realistically, his name should not come up on any more of these shows because it's quite clear what he's doing. He's a clown. He's obviously lost his mind, or else he's just fucking. He's just working. He's trying to work everybody, and we, being real wrestling fans, shouldn't be worked by someone like that. He's a fucking moron. You know what I mean? When Meltzer Driver has to be, when, when, when Jim Ross has been told in the earphone to emphasize Meltzer Driver, case in point, my friends, do you know what I mean? AEW is what happens when you listen to internet wrestling fans. Just on that, like, if you look at 
do, the, the success WCW had over WWE mm. or how TNA cut out a, a big chunk of uh, wrestling fans for themselves. They WCW did it by having their cruiserweight division. People tuned in to watch that, you know, because it was it was it wasn't happening on the other show, and this this was the you know this is the place to watch it. When, T- when TNA was in its pomp and it was coming up through the ranks and people started paying attention, they had the X division. It was completely different. It was it wasn't just cruiserweights. It was you know it could be a, it could be big guys that could do things that cruiserweights could do, but AEW have to find some niche for themselves. They can't continue being WWE light and constantly referencing them because they're just gonna, they're just going to die. I think I think that's what Joe said. That's a great way of closing this, Noel. And you're the host tonight. Like, what what, what way should we? Yeah, I think um, you know we've said we've said really what needs to be said. Um, you know, I don't think we can sort of discuss any further about what changes need to be made or what our expectation is of the product and how successful we want it to be. Um, what I would say in closing out the show is I'd like to give a shout out to our brother, Carl King Woe. Um, get well soon, brother. We're all thinking about you here. He'll be back soon, holding that gavel in King King Woe's court again, <laughs> dropping um, podcasts. So we're thinking about you, brother. Um, where else? I mean, where else do we go with it? You know what I mean? We 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 shall live in hope of having an alternative. Um, we want the all, wrestling world to be better, and that's all I can really say. So as always with the admin, head over to YouTube, subscribe to the Dynamo Podcast Network, some fantastic content going up there every single day, press that bell notification button so you get the latest content delivered straight to your screen, you'll also find us on Podbean, Anchor, Spotify, wherever you want to pick up your audio version of the podcast we do, and as always, we look forward to next week and a better wrestling world.